Hello and welcome to another episode of the Crazy Waffle Podcast. I'm your host Mark Hirons and today we are chatting to Bob Ewing, co-founder of Inch by Inch, a non-profit badge subscription service. Bob is a full-time designer, family man and all-round good guy. The main focus of this podcast is around design and art education. I really hope you enjoy the show and I'll see you at the end. Without further ado, this is my chat with Bob Ewing. Welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. Nice one. Can we start with like where you grew up and, and a bit of your background and how you find found design lettering? Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a windy path for me. Uh, I kind of found design late, but uh, I grew up in Indiana, um, just outside of the you know Indianapolis city limits, um, and kind of a rural kind of small town, um, small high school, small town. Kind of grew up just kind of with the freedom to explore and riding my bike everywhere and, and kind of playing sports and all that. And uh, I think growing up in the Midwest really had an impact on like, like it does with, you know, where you grow up will have a huge impact on, on how you kind of turn out as a person. But I think, you know, the Midwest reputation, I believe in that like wholeheartedly, um, you know, being kind and, and working hard, I think are like two things that kind of associated with the Midwest. So uh, pretty much lived here my entire life. I still live four or five miles away from where I grew up, where my parents still live. So uh, family is a huge thing. All of our, all of my wife and I's family live close to us. So it's kind of nice yeah, to see them and have that support system around us. Um, and then as far as design, I kind of backed my way into it. I actually went to architecture school for three and a half years. Uh, I grew going through high school. I knew I wanted to be an architect. I was a pretty like rare case where uh, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I, I did took all the, you know, the CAD classes and, and drawing classes. And then uh, I also was into art. So I took all the art classes as well. And I got accepted to a small commercial art school. But I, at the time, I didn't know what graphic design was. Um, I'd never been exposed to that. Um, obviously, I'd been exposed to it, but I never knew what it was or that it existed. So I, did, I decided to go to art special school because, A, that's what I wanted to do. And it's pretty dead set on that, but uh, I also didn't know what I would do with commercial art degree. I had no idea what, what I would do after that. So there wasn't really like a clear path for me then, but uh, I spent three and a half years in college uh, before I decided I didn't want to be an architect. So I think I had like a year and a half left, but uh, I was going to have to do um, the path to graduating. Like after I graduated, I was going to basically sit in, you know, an office and, and do AutoCAD and uh, kind of looking back, that's not what I loved about architecture. That's not what kind of drew me to it. It took me quite a few years to realize that what I loved about architecture was design and, um, you know, the design itself of the buildings and, and places and spaces. So I left school and I, I my dad, my, my moved back in with my parents, which is pretty humbling when you're, um, you know, 22 years old. And my dad basically said, you're, you know, if you're going to be here, you're getting a job. So I got a full-time job as a, basically a day laborer. At, a, at the concrete plant, the concrete company that he worked for. He drove a cement mixer for like 36 years. So pretty filthy, disgusting job, just dirty all the time. And then that kind of parlayed into uh, commercial electric work because I had some electric background from high school, just doing like odds and ends stuff. And then I just kind of, I didn't enjoy that anymore. I didn't enjoy working outside in the winters because uh, they can be kind of cold and brutal here in Indiana. So I moved to Florida for a year with my brother and did like trim carpentry and window and door installation on like big custom homes, um, which was fun. Obviously the weather is fantastic. We traveled a lot, we worked a lot, but uh, it was a good times. But during that time is when my wife and I started dating. 
she's still in Indi- she was still back in Indiana, so we dated long distance for six months, which ultimately led me back home to Indiana. And then sometime in there, I kind of figured out, you know, just thinking about we were going to get married and thinking about my future and what I wanted to do. Somehow, I don't, I don't really remember what happened or what made me realize it, but I, I'd started to figure out that graphic design was a thing. Um, so I went to like a small community college where I could work during the day and go to school at night. Uh, and I did that for two years. And like, so I have an associate's degree in visual communications and really just kind of learned Adobe and the foundations of, of design, you know, while I was there, which I didn't know anything about. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my, like, yeah, short, oh, short and windy path to design. Okay, yeah. Uh, so you said you realized that you didn't want to do like cut at an office all day. I think a lot of people find it, a lot of young people find it hard to find exactly where they want to go in life, especially in the day and age now they've got so many different options. What was like a big turning point for you and what sort of really made you realize that you didn't want to do it? Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, you know, to be graduating high school and then basically making a decision about what, what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Um, and that's, it's different from when our parents were growing up and, you know, they did one thing for 40 years. Um, that's not really how, how things are this year. I feel like people can, you know, it's easier to switch and they're like, okay, I want to do something else. Um, and you can do that. It's more accessible. But all through high school, I worked for my uncle's oil firm. Um, so I had that opportunity to, to get real world experience. But at looking back, it took me a while to realize that I didn't enjoy doing that. Like I was in, I was in high school and I made, I was making like pretty good, like decent money. Um, but it's not like I was saving, like I didn't really have, I didn't have anything to show from that money that I was making. Um, I really kind of missed out on like summers. A lot of my friends were, you know, outside, they were like lifeguarding or, you know, being outside during the summer. And um, I kind of had like a full, you know, eight to five job. Um, so I think just looking back, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy any of that time per se, like it was fun at first, but then later it just kind of, I just didn't enjoy it at all. So that's what I kind of didn't realize that until I started thinking about where I would end up after I graduated college. Like what, what would my next five years look like? Um, and it was going to look very similar to those summers in high school. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily go about the, about, I just stopped going to class, which isn't the, um, which isn't the best way to go about that. Um, I didn't, I was immature and didn't necessarily handle it in a, in a professional um, way at all. But at the time I just didn't know what, what else to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I suppose we wake up and realize this isn't what I want to do. It's um, yeah, you've got to change. And uh, rather than like say maybe my parents or older generations, they would just stick it out and just do it for 60 years, for 40, 50, 60 years. Uh, <laughs> And then just stay quiet about it, especially in the UK. We've got a bit of, I think we're getting out of it now, but there's a bit of um, sort of stoicism about saying it something and not moaning too much about it. And especially older generations, it's, it's interesting right. to back at my grandparents and how their jobs they did and see if they actually liked it. And now they're just trying to live their life and going on trips and everything every weekend <laughs> in the last 20 years of their life. It's interesting stuff. You, you realize like now you don't want to live like that because it, you know that they're not the greatest years, you know, you're not as mobile and you can, uh, right. yeah, it's going to deep this. You can just, <laughs> yeah, off. yeah, well, and I, I'd seen my dad do the same thing. Like, uh, they got my mom and dad got married right out of high school, um, 
had my oldest brother right away and um, he basically got a job where his dad worked um, for the same company and he didn't necessarily it's not that he didn't he did he hated it um, but it was just something that this is what he did and this is what and so he would do that just did it for 36 years because that's what he did just to you know basically feed us and, and raise us and do what he needed to do to be you know a father um, so kind of looking at that I don't, I don't want to like I don't want to work 36 years for for doing a job that I don't necessarily love doing it's a long you know it's a long time to stick something out so you work, you work for yourself like I'm I do do freelance work but I'm actually a full-time um, art director slash uh, senior I don't really know what my title is now um, senior designer um, for an ad agency uh, in Indianapolis called Element 3. Uh, I've actually, next week will be my fourth year anniversary. Wow, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so I do this. This is a full-time day job, you know, eight to five. And then, yeah, I'm always doing uh, freelance on the side and then uh, inch by inch, the nonprofit that uh, I co-started, always doing that on the side. From what I've heard from other podcasts and that, you've always been quite a hard worker and what you're telling me now. You know, you've always been that worker. Yeah, I mean, it started out as just trying to be creatively fulfilled, uh, you know, may, uh, doing things on the side that, uh, that, that I wouldn't um, normally get to do. Just trying to, yeah, create a, be creatively fulfilled, do things that I couldn't, wasn't doing at my day job. And that, that's probably what it still comes down to. I still do a lot of branding and a lot of lettering uh, and illustration work on the side. And it's not that I don't do those things at my day job, I do. Element 3 has afforded me a lot of opportunities to do uh, some amazing things and work with some fantastic clients. Uh, but I don't know. I just really enjoy. I kind of, you know, this is the life we live. I really enjoy doing this thing called design. So there's always things to do. Uh, I think I've gotten better at saying no, which is important. Um, you know, early on, you just say yes to everything. And uh, I can be a bit more choosy about the freelance work I take on since I have a full-time job. Um, so Basically, it's one of those things where I'm, uh, there's, you know, I'm getting paid, which is always nice, but usually I'm losing sleep because of it. So, you know, I'm staying up late or, you know, squeezing it in after hours after the kids go to bed. Uh, so it just has to be something that I really want to do, really want to take on. For people with, like, who want to do that, what's, especially young people as well, again, um, I can relate to them quite a lot because I'm at that age, but finding it hard to say no to people and then when you've got projects on. How how do you manage to squeeze that out? Obviously, yeah, like you say, the day job helps. But when you sort of when you're young and everything's coming to you and you're trying to take on everything, finding those red flags as well that that can warn people about the client that's coming in. How how's that helps um, helps you yeah. squeeze out and take notes? Yeah, I mean it's it's been easy for me to transition to that saying no because I do have a full time job. Um, you know, as a freelancer, you always you don't want to say no to work because yeah. um you know it's like this could be you're always thinking this may be the last job i ever get which you know isn't true like you know there's more work out there but you do you just hate to turn stuff down but honestly if it's if the timeline doesn't work or the money isn't right um or it's just not a good fit for you i mean you know that in your heart like right. no one else knows that more than you do um but that's a that's a learned behavior to be able to say no, it took me quite a few years and I'm still, it's still something I work on. Um, I still take on stuff that maybe I didn't, I knew when um, I didn't have the time for, or wasn't a good fit for me um, all the time. Yeah. But 
like I said, I'm getting, it's a work in progress. So let's get posted up there. I've got, I've got a post right there saying it's everything's a work. Yeah. So it's, oh yeah, for sure. I've recently uh, purchased an iPad. I noticed you've got one as well for the hand lettering stuff. And I think the hand lettering is a completely different ball game for to other stuff. Uh, I've like other design, like obviously layouts and logos and that. How, how do you, how, where, where do you start with an iPad and hand lettering? It was actually a gift from my wife. I don't know if I would have bought one. Uh, I like the idea of it. Uh, and I was interested in getting one to try out. Um, but so she bought me one. I really do enjoy it. And I think it, there's a lot of value there and a lot, um, a lot you can do with it. I still, I've had it for a year now and I still haven't made, I haven't really made the time to use it enough. I still, you know, I try and squeeze it in and try and use it when I can. Uh, but I've had a really hard time figuring out how it fits into my process. Um, I really enjoy everything starts for me, like in a, you know, in these field notes, I can always carry these with me. So the, everything starts here as like notes and little tiny sketches. And then I move to paper and uh, I really enjoy that part of the process. I like holding a pencil. I like, you know, putting lead to paper or ink to paper. Um, and it's just part of the process that I really enjoy. So I think I haven't embraced the iPad as, as many people have. Um, but I know there's a lot of value there and there's, there's times when I do use it because I, I, there's a quicker, like it's a short path to the final product. It's like if I don't, it can all be digital and I don't need it to, it doesn't need to start on paper. And I just need to be able to embrace that more and, and then a really just make more time to get more comfortable with it. Cause I know once I'm more comfortable with it, I'll, I'll use it more as a tool. Yeah. I, mean, I, I find out that I find it harder to finesse stuff on the iPad. I don't know if you're the same, but I, I find it always like a mouse. Or like, do you use a graphics tablet or is it just a mouse for you? Um, I use a Wacom right. tablet, Wacom, whatever it is, uh, at work. So I, but I use that as, I use the pen as my mouse, um, for everything. Uh, it kind of, it's a, it's a, I don't know, a decent sized tablet. So it takes up a space on my desk. So I just decided I would just use that. Um, then when I'm at home or if I'm not at my desk then I just use a trackpad on my computer, I've gotten, you know, pretty, pretty good at sitting with the computer on my lap and then just using the trackpad. So that seems to be like my, my work setup at home is sitting on the couch and, and just using the trackpad. So. Have you got any, have you got any tips for lettering? Because I, I want to get into it. Um, yeah, do it a bunch. Right. <laughs> that's the, that's the, um, like anything, if you want to learn something, uh, early on, uh, quantity is your friend, uh, and quantity will lead to quality. You know, you can't be, uh, it took me a long time to realize that, um, that even the best people, um, in our field and in any field, like sucked at some point in time, like they, they were a beginner and, and they had the same ambitions that we, you know, have as beginners. And it just takes a lot of time and practice to, to get better at anything. Um, going back to that, we, you know, we're all a work in progress. That's just trying to be better each day. Um, so I just, yeah, you just have to do it. You have to make time to, to draw letters um, and they won't always be good and they won't be good in the beginning, but over time uh, you, you'll, you just get naturally better at it because you put more and more time in it. Um, and then you start thinking about it more. You start thinking about like, why, why is this, 
why does my lettering not look like someone else's and not necessarily from a stylistic standpoint, but from a technical standpoint. Um, and, and then you start to notice those nuances, um, which just makes, you know, it's the details at that point. Um, but yeah, you just gotta do it a bunch. Is it, so we're always trying to get into different illustrations, always trying to push like illustration styles and, and different parts of design. Cause I think it can get stuck into one point. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I give a lot of credit to people that can, do like find their style and do that, that style yeah. forever. Absolutely. Um, I mean, props to them. That's, you know, that's, it gets easier as, as you get more experience in it and people will hire you for that specific style. Um, and I, I mean, I do get hired for some, for the same thing sometimes like chunky scripts and, and stuff like that. But um, I, I think I would get bored if I didn't try different things um, yes. for sure. Even if it's not designed, like just going out and trying different activities, like sports yeah. or just, yeah. Yeah. I actually just, uh, I just heard a quote in our meeting. We had like a company meeting yesterday. Let me see if I have it in here. Oh, a routine, a routine is good, but adding new activities is good for the mind and spirit. So like, you know, doing new things is good for you. I just thought that was, yeah. Yeah, it's kind absolutely. of a nice way of putting it. Well, yeah, so it's new, new things as you become and grow as a better designer, you get picked up and as speakers. And, and you, you know, you've been doing a bit of speaking now for quite a long time, is it? Uh, yeah, I've done, um, I don't know, a dozen or so speeches probably. Um, I, I really, like, I just enjoy doing that. You know, some people are, that's like the number one fear. I don't know if it's just America or in the world, but it's public speaking. Like even before death, people are more afraid of public speaking. Uh, I really enjoy it. I'm an extrovert though. So I like, I feed off other people, you know, I feed off attention. Um, I was actually just listening to one of Andy J. Miller's podcasts and he was talking about how he has like a dirty secret to reveal. And he was like, it basically that he loves attention. And he's like, you know, that sounds bad, but he's like, in all honesty, it's not. And I'm the same, same way. Like I, I love like who I just like having attention and that's not like from a, agreed or standpoint or anything like that but because then I also enjoy bringing attention to other people and whether that's like friends of mine that are doing amazing things um, or clients you know that's essentially what we do as designers if you're branding you're you know or doing illustration or something you're doing something to bring attention to you know whoever your customer is so I just thought that that was like a really nice way to put that and I, that kind of something that really spoke to me yeah but, do you remember your first of a speech? What, what would you feel like beforehand? Oh, you know, every speech, like nerves, right. for sure. Like you, like even now, like some, I was re reworking the talk I gave at Creative South. It's really the talk I've given the most. Um, I'm reworking it to shorten it and just make it a little more pointed and directed. Um, and every time I work on it, like I get some butterflies, like, cause then as I'm working on it, I'm thinking about the talk, but like, I love that feeling it's nerves, but it's more excitement than it is like scared to death. Like definitely a little bit scared. Like, uh, you know, always a little bit scared before you go out. Um, but yeah, so like that will just build, you know, the more, the closer you get to it. Like I can just talking about it now, start like starting to get a little like excited and ner nervous about it. Um, and now as I get closer to Saturday and closer to that time slot, it just builds and builds and you try like not to think about it, but then you're also like trying to prep for your talk so it's an interesting battle it just yeah it kind of makes it feel like live 
Um, cause then after you're out, like when you're out on stage and then when you're done, you just, you just kind of are, you feel like you're on fire. Just, it's just, it's crazy. It's a crazy feeling. So I understand like why like musicians or why people like why they enjoy, like people enjoy that. Like, but that's why I enjoy yeah. doing it. So. Cause everyone's there for you, aren't they? It's, yeah. Uh, the only thing I would worry about is like freezing up and, and just not knowing all the words just couldn't come out of my mouth. I think that's a lot of people <laughs> when they do, when yeah. they do that public speaking. Have you ever had that? Yeah. No, I've never, I've been fortunate. Like I haven't, um, I mean, I've definitely had moments where maybe I forgot what was next or um, had a pause, like an awkward pause. Like I definitely have done that, but never like freezing up. Um, and you just kind of roll with it. Uh, people are not going to remember unless you like really crash and burn. Um, no one's going to remember that. Like I, I make mistakes, multiple mistakes, lots of mistakes every time I give a talk and, but no one, no one really remembers that unless you like fall off the stage or, you know, something like that. And even then the people will talk about it and then it'll be, you know, like any, anything in today's world, it's on to the next thing. So it's good. What's, what's the best experience you've had on stage? What, what was your favorite talk you've ever done? Uh, oh, uh, Creative South was probably, it's probably at the top of the list just because that comp, you know, uh, it was the first conference I ever went to back in 2014. Um, it's just a special place and like I, you know, it's a, it's, it's meant a lot to me personally and professionally. Um, so get, getting to go on that stage and share my story, um, was, was an amazing experience, um, in front of, you know, all, a lot of my friends and, and, and family and, uh, yeah. So I would say that's, that was definitely one of the, definitely towards the, or the, at the top for me. Yeah, it creates itself such an amazing place with all the people being so friendly and the the place it's in as well, the city and the, yeah. the town. It's not, is, it, is it a city? Is it a town? Yeah, it's a city. It just feels like a small town. But yeah, yeah it's actually the, it's the second largest city in Georgia. Wow. So, wow, it's Atlanta and then Columbus and Augusta are real close to each other. So it's either second or third, but yeah, oh. it's, it just feels like a small town. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's got it's, it's so relaxed. It's probably one of the most relaxed places I've ever been to. And yeah, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing four days in America, and um, can't wait to go back next year as well. Be good. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. So oh, we always look forward to it. So, so let's let's talk about inch by inch. Why was it started? Yeah. Uh, who did you start it with, and, and the story about it? Yeah, um, inch by inch was started with my uh, good friend Drew Hill, who we grew up together. We went to high school together. Um, took art classes together. He was always in art. Um, he was kind of, Drew was like that crazy art kid, um, you know, always wearing like crazy clothes and had all the, like had all the buttons and pins and patches on his bag. Um, so we just became friends and, and then kind of went our separate ways. He actually went to a commercial art school right out, right out, of, right out of high school. And um, it wasn't until years later, uh, he got hired at an agency uh, in Indianapolis. And then I got hired there about six months later, um, which he helped me help me get that job. And that was kind of my first foray into the agency world. Um, so it started, we worked together for about four years, um, four years there. And then we jumped ship to element three where we're at now. Um, and not too long after that, we just kind of were talking and decided that we wanted to do something together. Um, while we, we had worked together for, you know, four plus years at that point, we, we didn't really get to work on a lot of stuff together. Um, we, you know, we had our own clients and we were kind of doing our own thing. 
So it really kind of started over if pretty rapidly. We were talking about it one day. Next, like later that night, we were texting. Uh, and we just, the idea of one-inch buttons came up and the, like a monthly button club. Um, and then ultimately, like we didn't want to do, we thought that was an awesome idea because no one was doing that. Uh, and like, it, we thought it would be cool to get buttons in the mail every month. Um, but then we didn't want to design buttons. And I don't like, that's not a huge selling point to have like, oh, Bob and Drew are designing buttons for, for you. So we knew that we wanted to, to also lean into the creative community and, and help celebrate other designers. Um, and then that kind of led us down the path of like the nonprofit and what, what we could do. Like we weren't doing it. We weren't going to make money off of a one inch button club. Um, but maybe we can make enough to like give to charity. Um, and then the fact that, that uh, art education is getting stripped out of like our public school systems um, here in, in the United States because of uh, funding and, and taxes and stuff like that. It's uh, some of these schools and, and mostly they're inner city schools and in underserved areas uh, because they don't have the budgets anymore like they used to. They're taking art away. Um, it's like the first thing to go, um, which is pretty sad because there's like, there's hundreds of stats around um, how like art will like allow you, like basically makes you a better person. Even if you're not, you don't consider yourself an artist, but being exposed to that and having that outlet, especially as a kid, um, is incredible. Yeah, so it must open your minds more to, to other things and other opportunities. I mean, uh, so yeah, what, what, what is it, what are they actually taking out of just taking the whole program out? They're not doing any sort of creative stuff at school. Yeah. So they'll just get rid of art altogether because they can't, they can't fund it. They can't buy supplies. They can't have an art teacher. Um, so it'll be the first things to go because it's, they, they see it as a expendable because it's not reading and writing, um, and arithmetic. Uh, so wow. that's kind of sad. So, and, and then we're, we're both, we're both dads and we have kids. So when you start thinking about how, how much of a role art played in our life and how much it means to us and how much our kids enjoy art and thinking that like kids don't have art be in school because they don't, can't afford supplies and supplies like for art is not like, it's not that expensive, but that's really how much the budgets have been cut. So that kind of led us to this, this idea you like giving the money to youth art education. Um, and and like what designer or creative that would that would be interested in donating designs to us like who couldn't get behind that idea you know to make sure even if it's not in your city which is that's what we were kind of worried about that in the beginning um we thought we would do like a national charity but we kind of realized that the amount of money that we would be giving um we could affect change more on a local scale so that's why we work with art with a heart in indianapolis and then 826 shy in chicago um, both serving underserved kids in inner city with after school programs and summer programs, um, doing amazing stuff. And it's been like really cool to just partner with them and, and be able to supply them with, with some money and like watch them do amazing things with it. So that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, does it not make you frustrated or angry that they're doing this? They're taking away art and stuff yeah it does um and then the other sad part is that like you're like people just won't go like if you can afford not to go to those public schools then then you won't um yeah you'll go to a different school but a lot of people don't have that you know they don't have that opportunity or ability 
um, to do that. So yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy to think about. Um, and I think there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot more people doing a lot bigger things than we're doing with, with inch by inch, um, to help combat that as well. But, uh, any small, you know, small piece we can do, um, just trying to, just trying to get back a little bit. Um, I think, you know, as we get, as we get older and you start to think about like your legacy and the fact that as designers and creatives that we can, we, we have an ability to, to kind of speak to people that, um, you know, that they, that a lot of people don't. So, yeah. You know, in the UK, it's sort of, it's, it's sort of borderline whether they're taking it away or not. Cause it's, um, they're not, I don't think they'll take it away, but the, the program that they're getting taught the curriculum isn't like, the way I went for it. And I'm speaking, I'm trying to think about it as I speak, so I'm not speaking clearly, but, um, yeah, the way I went through it, it, it wasn't the greatest. I thought, I thought the, the program they got taught and there were things that we got taught I and mean, it just seemed like it was set up by someone who didn't know graphic design. Uh, right. And, and the art side of it was pretty good. Actually, I, to be fair, the school that I went to, well, all of the schools I went to were pretty good with you know, clay models and stuff and always encouraged to be quite creative, but there's obviously a huge focus on the sciences and that more academic stuff. And it just feels right. like when I went to, college which is like sixth form which is uh the one before university it felt like a bit of a back subject uh i feel like i didn't know graphic design when i came out of college we, we weren't really taught the fundamentals there's a huge issue with like higher education in the states because it's so expensive um yeah uh so you get i mean you get an art degree you get a graphic design degree or visual communications or whatever it is and then you leave school and you have a six-figure debt which is like which is a lot to think about having, you know, a hundred plus thousand dollars worth of debt and you are going to, you're going to graduate and you're going to make 30, maybe $40,000 a year starting. Mm. Uh, and how much time it would take to pay off that debt. It's kind of crazy to think about. So, and that's just like the, like college is just getting more and more expensive. And at some point like that bubble is going to have to burst and that's going to have to come back down to reality. But I don't know. It's strange for mm -hmm. sure. Do you think we get to a point where people just can't afford to go and there'd be so many people not going that they're just yeah. down? Yeah, and I think that's why um, you see a lot of technical schools popping up um, and a lot of um, more pointed um, education to where you're just going there to learn something specific um, instead of going to uh, you know, a university where you're learning, you know, you're basically, it's just an extension of high school where you're still taking math and reading or, you know, or English and, and writing and, and basically all that along with your, you know, whatever your degree will be in. Um, yeah. yeah. So it seems to be, seems to be changing some, but slowly. Well, what, uh, what, what do you reckon you can do to, to like change it? Like, would it have to come from the very top or, or would you be able to, like you're doing? I don't, I don't know. I feel like you, like you just, it would come from, people not attending or not being able to attend, you know, the schools, if, if the attendance is going down yeah. for the universities, then that's, that's an issue for them to have to like start to rethink what they're, what they're doing or how much things cost. Cause you don't need graphic design as much for, uh, as a, as a design degree. Um, you don't, you, you, know, you don't typically need that now. Uh, you can, you can get design jobs without having one. If you've got a really good portfolio, or if, if, if you're talented, um, do you think there's, if there's less people going to university and college 
to do design then people at the top are, are seeing that and they're sort of thinking well if people if less people are doing it at university and college then there's no point putting funds into it yeah i mean that's a possibility um i don't know i think there's still I, st I do agree with you that like you don't have to have a degree to do graphic design um it's one of the few you know industries or jobs that that you can you can be self-taught especially in today's world with you know all the all the, everything available online i do think there is something important about being in a classroom and and learning firsthand and that that comes from workshops um or school in general um online courses are great but being around people and building a community uh i think is something that you know as we have as social media becomes more popular and online dedication becomes more popular that's something that suffers uh and it's it's probably the biggest thing that's come out of me being a designer that i didn't expect uh just this community and these people that i've gotten you know got to know over the years and have grown relationships with and 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 most of them don't even live you know in my same city but are just as valuable to me as a person and i like i value those people just as much as someone that i see every day um so i think that's something that can suffer and you have to make a point to like to build that community it's like half and half isn't it you, you've got to make a decision whether that money's worth so in the uk it's a little bit cheaper to go to university than it is in the us i believe yeah um, but it's, it's still expensive for us um i decided not to go because of that reason really because of the money yeah it, it, if, if you can decide whether because you don't you know, i think you need to be talented you don't need to have this portfolio from university you don't have to have the paper it's like you say whether you whether you decide to get that the people around you yeah. the, and the support and the growth that university brings and makes you a little bit more of an adult or you can go yeah. for it and, and try and make it yourself thinking back as a young designer or someone that is considering not going to to college it is important to get the foundations of design and that's something that goes a long way that's literally like all i learned at the community college i went to was the just the foundational principles of design and then and then also like they taught me how to use illustrator and photoshop and indesign yeah i can't i can't overstate enough the importance of knowing um those foundational qualities and principles of design because they they apply to everything we do so what we feel like about, like like color type layout. yeah yeah exactly form color you know all those things are important because they they're i mean they're, it's a visual what we do is so visual those having those principles or at least knowing them and learning you know you learn them but then you you really kind of learn to use them and and break those rules over time you know as you get more experience just like anything else but i think knowing them first so you know how to break them and how to do that properly or how to or just to experiment with them is, is very important uh going back to inch how have you seen the have you seen the um the impact it's having firsthand firsthand we ha i we actually that's probably the one thing we haven't done that we're still missing out on is like going to the charities and be able to um like firsthand see the impact now we have seen the impact just from especially our with art locally um, since they are local, you can see a little more what's going on. And we just know that, like, we know the money that we're donating is going, to, you know, to a good, to a good cause. Um, but yeah, it's, a, yeah, I mean, I, I guess to answer your question, yes, we have. Um, but yeah, could we, well, could we get more involved? We, yeah, I mean, we definitely could. And then that just comes down to like a time, you know, a time thing, yeah, and, exactly. you know, and priorities. Because it's very so, side, side thing for you guys, obviously you both got day jobs and, 
Um, yeah. yeah. That's, it's an amazing side project though, isn't it? Because I have that yeah. as a side project, that's, that's amazing. Um, it's been fun, it's grown. I mean, it's grown into something that we never anticipated. Yeah. Um, it's also taught us a lot about business. Um, and I, like actually our owner, the owner of Element 3, Tiffany, uh, she told us that from the beginning. Uh, yeah. She, We met with her when we first started this and she was like, you're gonna learn a lot more about business than you ever thought you would. Uh, and she was right. But some of those things you learn proactively and some of those things you learn reactively. But uh, that's just, you know, that's the, the woes of doing business, so. Yeah, where do you plan to take it in the future? Are you just gonna do buttons and only do posters as well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, keep, we continue to expand uh, the offerings, you know, as, um, as the artists graciously donate the artwork, um, we, don't, we don't own the rights to any of the artwork. Um, they, you know, they return, retain the rights to do whatever they want with it. But we do, so if we want to do something like a t-shirt or a poster or patches uh, or stickers, we always reach back out to the artists and, and ask uh, for permission to do that. But ultimately, I think the more we can drive, more we can make more product and uh, drive more sales on the store and at conferences, the more money we can make and donate. The, the monthly button club is like somewhat of a sustainable model. And it's, it's kind of settled down into like a nice 150 subscribers a month where um, the first year we were up around, um, I think we grew to like almost 800 was the top. And that kind of, kind of after the first year, it kind of tailed off. And we've, and since the last couple of years, we've settled into this like 150, 160, which has been kind of nice. It's much more manageable for Drew and I to, to do that because we still do all the fulfillment ourselves. So we don't make the, we don't make the buttons. Busy uh, Beaver out of Chicago makes the buttons, but we still package them and, and in, like put them in envelopes and address them and then put the stamps on them and send them all out. So we literally touch, you know, every single package that goes out. But I think there are some changes coming inch by inch uh, that we're kind of excited to start to release uh, in the fall. So some, a little bit of a pivot for us. And then, yeah, just really trying to put more emphasis on, on how we can move more product because the return, the return, on the products is, is much higher. Um, so that just means we can donate, you know, more money to the charities. So you, know, you never see, you never know where this kid's going to grow up to be and what yeah. happens. So this is, yeah. I mean, I think we'll never know the impact that the chair, you know, the, the charities that we're donating to, we'll never know that the impact that they'll have on those kids and what they'll, you know, they'll grow to become. But we do know that the science behind it says that they'll be better students and they'll be, you know, better people. And that there's just like the stats that back up having art um, all the way up through high school um, are kind of just astounding. Where, where's, what's like the ideal for you for ed design education and, and art education? Um, I think just making it more affordable to everything. And that, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't even stop at design. I mean, that, that applies to a lot of things. There's a sense that, um, especially with education, that um, you have to spend money to, to get it and sometimes it's a lot of money or it's more money and like who wouldn't want to have who wouldn't want their kids to have the best education they could um, everyone wants that for their for their children so that's yeah I think can imagine being in a situation where that's not not possible um, that you're just basically settling for what what you can do what you have to do to get by I think that's, I think that's really good I think well, everyone, if everyone works towards that and also the communities and just inspiring people as well, that's going to help. Yeah. 
popping up, even if it's just popping up on social media and someone sees it and, and then it spirals into that. Thing. So that's cool. I might give that a go. It's, yeah. Powerful. Science is a powerful thing. Starting to realize that as, a, as an individual, it's hard to affect change on, on a large scale. That doesn't mean that people haven't, you know, individuals haven't done great things in the past because they obviously have, but they haven't done those alone. One thing I think that people, like people don't realize that like just being kind to people, just being like a good human being and being kind to people and, and kind of the ripple effect that that has in the grand scheme of things. I know this is like kind of a big, beautiful picture and seems uh, utopian to some degree, but it's like, if you just, if everyone was just like nicer and just kind to people and didn't, you know, didn't try to bring other people down, like the effect that that would have on everyone, like exponentially would, you know, yeah. would be kind of amazing. Even if it's, even if it's just saying like, rather than just ignoring someone and walking past, yeah. it was just saying yeah. people smiling. I think it's, yeah. The last few questions I ask everyone. Uh, first of all, what's the best bit of advice you've got for someone who is a young designer? A couple of things. You have to believe in yourself because if you don't, then no one else is going to believe in you. And then the other thing is you can do whatever you want. You can learn whatever you want. If you want to do something, if you want to try something new, you, you, you can do it. You just have to want to do it. And by that, I mean, you need to, you have to make time and you have to be intentional about it especially when it comes to learning something new or if you want to get better you know people always ask like how do i get into lettering i mean that's a you know an, like an obvious question that i i get quite a bit um and it's just like you have you have to make you have to be intentional about it you have to make the time to to get better just like you would if you you know if you played sports or if you played a musical instrument and you know a lot if you think about the people that are professional athletes or professional musicians They've spent their entire life doing that thing and learning that thing and, and you know perfecting their craft and that that's the same thing with design too. Like this isn't a it's not a short term fix. Uh, this is a long term play for me. Like I don't this is I don't I don't plan on doing anything else. And you know who knows what what the future will bring and there might be some sort of pivot. But I I can't imagine myself not doing some sort of design or you know visual design at some point so there's an amazing um there's this sort of analogy that uh, was given on one of our other podcasts with a woman called dominique faller she said that it's like creativity is like a muscle and you and you have yeah. to exercise it because obviously when you go to the gym you, get, you build up muscles by keep going and eating the right things and putting the right things into your body and uh you get there get there and it grows and you get better and stronger it's like creativity yeah. is the same you keep being creative keep designing keep doing the same thing and it, it grows and you get better. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I've heard that before. And another thing that goes along right with that is that, uh, that creativity is an infinite resource. Um, and by that, I mean, the more you put into it, the more you will get out of it. And I've seen that proven to myself and others, you know, time and time again. Yeah. What's, what's your best purchase under a hundred dollars? Best purchase under like design related or just anything? Yeah, anything, man. That's a tough question. I'm trying to think what I've bought recently that was like not just shoes. Uh, <laughs> I, I like I do like shoes, and I just happened like I just recently got a couple pairs that I love. They're super comfortable, but um, man, the best, nah, they're just like they're like vintage Adidas oh, um, shoes. So yeah, best purchase under hundred dollars. I mean, it might be headphones. Like I like listening to music, you know, listening to music. Oh, I actually, I did just buy a, a one of those paper light, paper like uh, iPad covers. 
Okay. The one thing that drives me crazy about my iPad was the, like, it didn't have the textural feel of like pencil and paper. So it's like a matte, uh, matte iPad screen cover that like, that's a game changer for me because it just, it makes it feel, there's a little bit of drag, you know, to the pencil. So it just makes it feel like more, you know, more natural. So yeah, that's maybe that's it. Yeah, that's been recommended to me before, and uh, I think I need to get on it. It's probably really cheap as well. It's, it's probably not expensive. Yeah, yeah, mine actually came from the UK. I think oh. it was like thirty some. It was like thirty some dollars, you know. And then there's some shipping, but uh, yeah, I bet most of that shipping as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that's, yeah, I'm definitely. I have to get on to that one because at the moment it's like, like you say, it's not. It's not. It doesn't feel real. It just. It's yeah. like, I mean the the reaction of the the Apple Pencil is by far the best as far as like true drawing. Like it's very, um, it's very accurate, but yeah, just the, the slickness of it. Um, I couldn't, it just kind of drove me crazy. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with the mat. I thought the, uh, the, the nib of the Apple pencil would be more rubbery. I thought that was what we yeah. drag, but it's not, it's, it's more like, yeah. yeah. And I think that's probably an endurance or a longevity thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like if it was softer, it would, you know, it'd rub away quicker sure you yeah. that though, so you can get, sell more of them yeah exactly i know then you just sell more so okay last one how do you want to be remembered oh um that's an easy one i'd want to remember it as a as a good father and a good husband and that would be that's enough for me uh that's also the thing i struggle with the most um is not taking my family and kids for granted um and not putting them first you know design is uh it's not necessarily a job it's it's who i am um, and it's hard to shut that off sometimes and not think about it. Um, so I think that's the biggest, my biggest struggle is not taking my own, you know, the people that are most important for me, not taking them for granted and something I'm aware of and, and trying to get better at. Uh, but yeah, being a good father and a good husband, uh, is how I'd like to be remembered. Fantastic. Where can people find you and say hello? Oh uh, yeah. You, I mean, on Instagram is and Twitter, uh, at Bob Ewing underscore at the end. That's because someone owns that Bob Ewing and they don't use it at all, which is unfortunate, but so goes. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, there's a link to my website, or my website on there. So, but I'm on, yeah, the Drupal and Instagram and, and Twitter. So. Brilliant. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Honor. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Wolf Podcast. I really hope you enjoy the show and you got some good value out of it. Please recommend to a friend and share and like and all that good stuff. We've got many more great guests coming in the next few weeks. So stick around. I'll see you next Tuesday at 7pm BST. The podcast is also now available on Spotify, so you can check it out on YouTube, Spotify and iTunes and any other good podcasting apps. Thanks very much and I'll catch you in the next episode.